Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who says he's not into mysticism, but is totally into mysticism. Listen, alright, I am into some definitions of mysticism. Yeah, I mean, I mean you... to really, really, really <laughs> skirting the line between definition and bullshit I made up. I am, uh, I'm into this esoteric mysticism you've probably never heard of. <laughs> uh, She's from Canada. You would know her. <laughs> yes, my esoteric mysticism is just uh, just a uh, just a woman from Canada. Yeah, a woman, a girlfriend you made up from Canada in yeah. fifth grade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's she's really gone through a lot of different. Uh, yeah, I different bet she's changed a lot since fifth grade. She has. She has. She has. Uh, don't have that picture anymore. <laughs> that magazine clipping. <clears throat> Yeah, she was a model. <laughs> oh. week we were talking about Carl Theodor Dreyer, my métier, uh, or in Danish, Carl Theodor Dreyer, min métier. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. I like the fact that, like, that made the confusion even worse about whether or not métier was English or Dutch. It was because, wait, they didn't, it was just min métier. I was like, well, wait a minute, which one of us didn't translate here? <laughs> well, apparently neither, both of us didn't translate. It's a word of French origin. It means my profession, my trade, the thing I'm really good at. Apparently, it, the, yeah, it's it used in English. It apparently means that, and it apparently is an English word, because neither of us has heard about it, heard of it, and yeah. I would like to say, no, of course I could figure, although I assumed that immediately that it meant mentor, but then I, yeah, after watching, I was like, well, I didn't see anybody get mentored, so this doesn't mean that. Um <laughs> Yeah, that is actually the same the same assumption I had made in seeing the title of it. But apparently, it's it's a word just neither of us. But are, like, uh, I want you to, with. you know, I don't want to toot my own horn and your horn at the same time because that sounds weird. Um, yeah, but I think between the two of us, our vocabulary it's it's not small, and neither of us has ever heard of this word. Yeah, well, it's uh, I mean, it's a synonym for fort. Uh, <laughs> Yes, it is port. Look that up. Um, I know. No, I just think it's it gets better when we when we drop other French words that don't get pronounced right and stuff like that. I know, right? You could just do this uh, all day. So... You know, there's this place near uh, where we went to school called Bell Fountain. That's actually spelled Bella Fontaine. But uh, you know, anything else you want to talk about? Ohio's obsession with mispronouncing foreign city names and then leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got we've got Lima, we've got Toledo, which never comes up in these discussions. I've noticed. Yeah, well, I no think one ever thinks up on Toledo's Toledo is being mispronounced. <laughs> Everyone's just given up on Toledo. <laughs> Mostly, everyone has. Anyway, um, so my meta, um, which I assume I'm pronouncing, right? it might be, uh, there's an accent on the on the first. You know theme, what? So, yeah, uh, I have. I I think that's probably right, but I think that's uh, what the guy in the narrative said. So. Um. Yeah, but you know he but could be he pronouncing Dutch, it wrong too. So, so. was he Dutch? Mitya. Uh, he was not. Yes. Dutch. No, he's Danish. I'm sorry, he's not Dutch. I'm so confused. <laughs> he's Danish. Yeah, you're right. Torben. Yeah, Stuart I don't know why. I, I keep my brain keeps defaulting to Dutch, but I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> the Danish and the Dutch, they're all the same, right? Yeah. My, my, my very, very tiny, very exclusive Northern European racism is, is showing, <laughs> is peeking through. Yes. Um, no, I can be racist against Northern Europe. That's my entire lineage is Northern Europe. And that gives you special permission? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those, those special right things. Or <laughs> We're not going to talk about this <laughs> anyway, movie, are we? <laughs> Torben Jensen is... Oh, I didn't uh, know that was his name. Yeah, okay. Stor- Torben Scott Jensen is the director of this documentary. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Is he the narrator? Uh, no. Well, yes. I don't know. I'm just asking. <laughs> we can... <laughs> you seem to know more about this movie than I do. Since you're the one who figured out that Mitya is actually English. I, I say no because when I think of the narrator of this film, I think mostly of the guy reading Dreyer quotes, Right, that's who I think of as the narrator. Uh, who, is, who is not... Uh, uh, okay, well, so Torben. that's why I responded the way I did about the guy who said Mitier in the dialogue of the... Well, not dialogue, yeah. whatever it was, the narration. Because I was like, he's not Danish. I don't know where he's from, but he's not Danish. I don't know. This no. is confusing. No, he was, like, Scottish. Yeah, it was <laughs> weird. Brian Patterson is his name. The guy who is who is reading for I assume just for the English uh, release of this film. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. I, I suppose like there was probably a different narrator. Although I imagine, although I guess for yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, I guess that makes sense. Although was this where was this release first? I don't uh, want to jump well, to it's, any it's, conclusions. <laughs> It's labeled as a Danish documentary, okay. which I assume means it was released in Denmark first. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, <laughs> one in it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this particular documentary. Okay. Things we need to talk about right up front. First okay. of all, Dreyer is totally into mysticism, no matter what he says. Can we apply <laughs> death of the author? To the actual author himself, <laughs> about being wrong about I, himself. I I think we can very much do that. I think there are, there are plenty of examples of, of people being wrong about themselves. Now, now to be fair, I I think uh, when it gets down to it, uh, his insistence that he is about realism and and eventually he says the that he doesn't separate realism. From right, that's system. what I'm saying. But that's that's so, a so bullshit this is, statement. This is his view. His view of real life is that real life is inherently mystic. Well, no, and no, and yeah, and then he gets into like mystic because they're about real. Life. And he talk- now, yes, that's that's circular, right? Right, okay, yeah, that's, that's circumlocution that. gets you back to yes, this movie is about <laughs> mysticism. Um, yes, it does have an end point. The end point just happens to be the fucking place we left from. Um, yes. The other funny thing about it, the one of my favorite parts about it, and this is getting like. Luckily, this movie is essentially non-chronological to a certain extent, so we can just talk about whatever in whatever order we feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it does seem to follow his life in relative chronological order, but the, his narration does not seem to be affected by that. Um, yeah. It, at one point, he says that as science and stuff is improving, we we are now finding that the natural causes for the supernatural – now, I believe, I believe that, you know, I hear this statement, statement said bef- in other places, but you do, like, when you stop and think about that, 
that's the most nonsensical thing that could possibly be said on Earth. <laughs> natural causes for the supernatural. Well, obviously, he's talking about finding uh, scientific reasoning for things that we would have previously attributed right. to supernatural. But of like, course, like the witchcraft in Day of Wrath. What ends where, up where you happening are... when you yeah. find natural causes for the supernatural is class. It becomes <laughs> natural. Um, it's true. Uh, yeah, no, but then that oh, I. One of the things about none of, also none of his films are actually concerned. They're not concerned with finding the natural, no. the natural, uh, which is weird. I don't know why he talks for, about that for shit the supernatural the things. Like, the and that's the thing. He's like, well, it's realistic, but like when you watch Day of Wrath, the thing that drove me nuts most, and what's one of the things that made the the movie so good, was the fact that you didn't. For me, it personally was you didn't know. Is yeah. this movie trying to say that the witches were really witches or not? But yeah. like. Exactly. He doesn't... And there's things... He doesn't know the answer. There's things within that that have no natural... Right. uh, uh, They are either coincidence or wholly unnatural. If she's actually responsible for Absalom's death... There is no natural excuse for that. Wholly supernatural. There is no natural... uh, No natural... And that that is true in in Ordet, too. That is also true in Ordet. Now, we could come up with a natural reason as to Absolutely. why we what totally happens happens. Perhaps. But then, then perhaps that means Johannes has had no effect on the situation, which means that yeah. that, that particular posit of the film is just yeah. sort of a deception, purposeful yeah. or not. Uh, now, now or, obviously, Dreyer's insistence that he is presenting real life uh, plays into that because... In Ordet, for instance, he is presenting a reality where this supernatural but possibly natural thing happens, but supernatural appearing enough that the way people react is to react as if it's supernatural. Right, that's true, and I will give him credit for that. In that instance. He does time his films in a time period in which that <laughs> same confusion would occur. Yeah. My issue with that is he, the way he presents it, though, doesn't give us any hint that that's not what's happening. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, he presents it as though, oh yeah, everybody thinks it's that way, so it must be that way. I'm your film, I'm I'm your director, <laughs> this is what happened. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I think that's one of the problems with, you know, with, with uh, talking to Dreyer about his movies in a documentary setting is that Dreyer's never trying to be didactic uh, in his films. Right. And, and once we once we talk to an author, and this this is true for any author, any filmmaker, once we ask them, "Hey, what does this mean?" it becomes a thing, right? And that's you know, true, and that's why, why I kind of which don't is why like. I I didn't like that the que- well the question was never asked because we don't hear anybody questioning him ever. It's not Spinal Tap, yeah, um, yeah. And so like <laughs> we don't know why what led him to talk about those things, uh, but we do we do know that um, you know. As soon as he starts talking about it, I'm unhappy because I don't like his ex- his explanation. And I don't think that's a good thing because there was nothing wrong with the movies. But yeah. now I feel slightly less connected to them because I now know what he yeah. thinks about them. Because before, I didn't think he gave a shit about what I think about them. And as it turns out from watching this documentary, he kind of doesn't. I think that's true for a lot of art, though. Once, once we know what... What the creator means, it goes one of either ways. 
Uh, one of two ways, either one of two ways. I don't know what I was, where my sentence got well, messed up in my head yeah, there. It's but... a complicated language. <laughs> lots of places to get lost. Lots of dead ends. You shut. You shut up. <laughs> anyway, uh, either either we you know nod our heads and say yeah that's that's obviously you know uh, or or it finally makes sense now and things like piss Christ uh, are that for me where where looking at it it's it's this just offensive thing but stepping back and what the author eh, when when the artist says well what I meant was to uh, uh, I meant it as an attack on the commercialization of of a religion I hear hold very dear to me. And yeah, that makes sense, and that's cool. But other things, if we you know, start talking to Orson Scott Card about what... Oh, dear what God, is, yeah. <laughs> then you just have to throw all those books into a fire. No, we're done. We're burning the books. <laughs> Congratulations, you've just made me into apparently a Nazi. I'm going to burn all these books down. I hate you. Um, I hate you. Yeah, so like, that's, well, yeah, that is a thing, right? Which is why, you know, for me... The speculation and reading other people's speculation is so fun and rewarding because you can be like, nah, I don't think that's right. Or you can agree you can agree or disagree at your leisure and it never has any yeah. effect on your personal – well, it does have an effect on your personal observation of the work. But it only informs your observation of the work rather than trying to correct it, right? But as soon as yeah. you hear from the author, suddenly you're now – you're course correcting, right? And it's, it's not a positive experience. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes yeah. that poor, sometimes that course correction can be okay because it's sending right. you into a positive. Right, yeah, it's taking you from a negative, negative to a positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but so often uh, that course correction is just <laughs> well, that's not what it meant at all to me, and now well, and that, now right. this is devoid of meaning for me because it's not what I thought it meant. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's definitely true, and I, you know, and you know, this. Is, with Dreyer, luckily, it kind of, for me, turned out neutral. Thank God. Yeah. Because it seemed to me that, that his circumlocution ended us at the same place that you and I ended up on the podcast, which is, oh, given the time period, yeah, everybody would think this is mystic, whether or not it's mystic or not, so we don't know if it's mystic or not. And so it's the same circle. It's just like, when you listen to Dreyer talk about it to a certain extent, it's like, Ooh, it's getting a little bit... It starts getting well, into the thing uh, he thinks this is how things work out. One thing I've been thinking a lot about as I as I've processed uh, the Dreyer films, even after we've talked about them, is that Dreyer's not necessarily interested in telling a whole story, but part of a story. Mm. Uh, the, being about real people, uh, and even, even Joan of Arc is about... Yeah, no, and, and he does try to carry it out in a way that I, I found it yeah. really fascinating on this documentary. Sorry to interrupt, but when he oh, when they own. talked about how his efforts to make Joan of Arc seem like a documentary, and yeah. I was like, yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> I, it just never clicked yeah. with me when I was watching it, but now that I've heard it and I think back to it, I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah. And certainly shoots Joan, the Passion of Joan of Arc with with a lot of symbolism in it, but his uh, his sticking to uh, the script of of the transcript of her trial, his insisting that, as we learn in this documentary, even the actors who are not heard be speaking, speaking the, the lines, lines yeah. uh, for truth. Um, 
and his meticulous insistence on on truth even in the smallest detail in in all of his films um <clears throat> he wants it to be real and real life continues outside of right the, the story two hours, doesn't wrap the, up the week because we see you... Yes, Joan of Arc dies at the end of the film, but the film doesn't end with her dying. The film ends with the revolt triggered by her dying. Now we don't right. we don't just see her on the stake and fade to black. Right, right, because we it's her on the it's, stake it's not just her story; fight. it's everybody's story yeah. at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's really and fascinating. The story like, continues. I, yeah, I I really enjoyed kind of learning about his motivations. I will say one thing. Yeah. Every interview they did with somebody who worked with him sounded like sounded a little bit like the interviews they do with people who didn't know they were living with a serial killer. <laughs> you, it's interesting because I thought it was very interesting that every single interview they did with anyone felt like uh, felt like they were trying to work against this perceived notion yeah, that yeah. Dreyer was no nonsense. Right. And and sociopath. I guess that, and that's probably what I'm responding to is that is this <laughs> them try you know, whenever you talk whenever they do interviews on T V with people who were like neighbors with serial killers, they try to make a oh, very yeah, explicit really nice that we had no really... idea that this man had people buried in his basement. Yeah. Because yeah. like they don't want to be like Oh yeah, well we saw some people go in and uh, never come out, but well, we didn't think anything of it. It's always like, no, they were the <laughs> nicest person ever, because yeah. God forbid we be associated with that madness in that way. It's very clear yeah, so all... that they didn't, but they didn't. It was unsuccessful. Their efforts were unsuccessful. He was obviously <laughs> a monster to work with. It seems like it. I, I really like the story about working on Ordet. Uh, and the the head of the studio shows up <laughs> Being and scared. talks to the cinematographer. It's like, oh, oh, this. Is, I'm sure you're getting a lot of filming done today because it's so sunny. And the film, the cinematographer just says, oh, the the clouds are moving in the wrong way. Uh, and the, do you want to talk to? Do you want to talk to Dryer? Said, do you want to? No, 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 no. I gotta go. <laughs> just drives away. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> That's a great moment. I, I laughed out loud. The best sure. thing was though is the that. guy who played Johannes. In yeah. all of his stories, he was clearly having the hardest time saying something nice. Because yes. every story borderline, he was about to be like, and then the son of a bitch called me at 3 o'clock in the morning. But he like, yes. I wonder how many takes it took trying, for him not to be mean about it. He's trying to frame all of these stories as, as this misunderstood genius, even though the things Dreyer's doing it's to him. It's just a sort just, of torture. It's just... just it's like no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go lock you in this room with this insane guy. For three yeah, exactly. Hours. We're like, yeah, and then we just left her on the stake for five hours while we ate our lunch. <laughs> yes. Should we cut her down? Nope. Okay. Like, yeah, and, that, and then that, like we want that look of fear to be true, so we're going to leave the old woman yeah. tied up, not let her eat. And then when we get back, we'll convince her that she's never getting off there, and we're really going to burn her to death. <laughs> We even started lighting the fires. Shit almost got out of control. We almost did actually burn her to death. I don't know, man. We never interview her. Does I know, we do not know that she's not burned to death for truth's sake. But that's what I'm saying. Is there's no, no, a we, lot of we do suggest we do suggest that that Falconetti survived the filming of Joan of Arc. So perhaps he does not really uh, burn his uh, burn his actresses to death. Uh, that's well, maybe not at the time of Joan of Arc, but his craft progressed. <laughs> That's true. By the That's time true. we got to Ordet, 
Who knows how many people died? Given given what actually happens uh, in Gertrude, oh, yeah, in and Gertrude, how, yeah. how Gertrude is presented as, as so truthful because it's just ten minute takes of, of conversation. Yeah, uh, like that's a clearly, weird thing. Like, clearly, he was going for more realism as he went along. I, so, so perhaps in Day of Wrath, they really did. Kill yeah, the exactly. But but the other thing we need to think about is like I know that that's how Gertrude is presented, but cameras can move and still present truth. Well, that's true. Like his his notion that the camera just has to sit there and watch these people talk for ten minutes is well, kind I think, of I think, a little bit off. I think that's certainly true. His work prior to Gertrude also um, is is certainly uh, certainly lends itself to suggest that he uh, he believes that obviously a still camera is not ultimate truth, given what else he does and the developments he right. makes. Um. Which actually, I really like uh, when they talk, and, and it's a quote from him mostly. But when they when he talks about film conquerors, the the people who go out and do these new things, uh, and and take the chances to do an experimental thing, and then everyone else uh, starts uh, starts aping that because it's so good, uh, and how he doesn't really care that everyone else apes it because. Uh, the conquerors need to exist, and we need more conquerors. Yes, but well, yeah, and then that he doesn't really mind when people rip him off. Well, but that's a weird thing, right? It's like there's a, he still did it first. There was, that was that particular section of the film was pretty loaded, right? Because first yeah. of all, we get to see his opinion of himself, which yes. is a little bit, a little <laughs> bit, probably a little bit too high. I mean, he's an Excellent filmmaker. Uh, but like I don't know, man. I think it's I think it's deservedly it, high. Yes, but but you still don't get to say it without being an <laughs> asshole. Do it doesn't. You could be the best at any given sport or activity. You're still an asshole yeah. if you say you're the best. It's just what, the way uh, it is. Do you remember? And I, I only I only ask because I don't obviously. Um, <clears throat> do you remember what caused the little uh, the uh, the Nervous breakdown that ended with him. Oh in the, in the shoot! In um, Paris. No, I don't. I remember he had some sort of breakdown when he tried to shoot in Egypt. Yeah, the heat and stuff. But I don't think it's the same one. Yeah, was it? Uh, was it the reception to uh, the two? Uh, oh, what's it? Now I'm forgetting the name of that. But it was after Joan of Arc, right? Like. He, the, that, that the Mendel... other feature the other feature he made in in the uh, 40s um, what I, well yeah 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 two so people it, it, two people what I mean is it's it's it, it takes place between Joan of Arc and uh, Ordet it's in that whatever 20 year gap yeah. or whatever 10 year gap yeah. or something like that so uh, it might have been in response to I'm I'm hooked on it being in response to the to two people, which is a film he made a, a feature he made in the 40s uh, that uh, bombed is not widely released because he tried to suppress it because he hated it so much, um, which doesn't really get talked. It gets very briefly mentioned in the documentary, which is the only reason I think that it might be tied to this. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, it. it seems like wasn't that like didn't that one go bad because of conflict with the. Uh... I think they mentioned something about a conflict with the studio he was working with for that or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was while he was in uh while he was in Sweden, I believe. Um 
but yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, it's it's with these documentaries. Unless I also make a documentary, like with my notebook, I can't remember yeah. everything. But yeah, like <laughs> can't remember. I everything. usually just walk away. Yeah, there from is these a lot of information instead of actual facts, but. There's a lot of information. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this is very information heavy, um, so which is fascinating too. Uh, but I, I I can't remember why he what triggered the emotional breakdown, but the fact that he ended up in a clinic called Clinique de Jean the Arc, uh, and the fact that someone thought it fit to name <laughs> a mental clinic after Joan of Arc, <laughs> right, is it, it, maybe the most French thing. It is super duper French and also super duper not a great idea. But I guess like, I actually, we I, have to assume that that clinic was established before people were positing the con- possibility that she was mentally unbalanced. So it was it was so the the theory was that you go to the Joan of Arc clinic to let the doctors convince you that you were really hearing God and not actually. I think that insane. must be the case. <laughs> All right. They they just affirm whatever your suspicions are. Oh, you say people are I out just... to get you. Yeah, they probably are. Let's find out. Well, we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they pull out like weird tools and stuff. They just scare the <laughs> shit out of patients. That's all they do. Oh, you're Jesus, huh? Like yep. It's... Seems like it. Oh, everything checks out. All right. Well, this uh, well, wine is delicious. Uh, here's a cross. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna nail you up there now. This... Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> we'll see you worst, in three days. The worst hospital ever. <laughs> Super high turnover rate for patients. Oh, obviously, obviously. Um. But yeah, no, it, that's think, it, that is. You think weird. there'd be some sort of investigation? I, at some I point, can but. only assume that you and I, because we're not French, are taking this. I gear. I Maybe. bet you, there's probably a thousand mental clinics named like Saint. Well, uh, obviously, Joan being being clinic. the patron saint of France. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I guarantee you, there's got to be a million of them. Yeah. Yeah. She. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, it still seemed like a terrible joke. Yeah, it, it does. It does. <laughs> it just seemed like a really, really bad joke. But it seems like the thing that, like, it seems like one of those situations where if you pointed it out in France, people would start punching you. <laughs> Probably. Uh, we're actually well, based on I what we saw in the next movie, which I'm not going to spoil. Probably just start slapping you really hard. <laughs> yes. Which is kind of like punching, but much worse. I don't, I don't know. know. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that next. Next episode, I don't know. If we're talking about, I'm talking about on the face. I, I think I'd rather be punched than slapped. Yeah, but you're not gonna break just, anything with a slap, probably, other than some skin. You're right. Whereas you're a punch, things are getting broken. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So anyway. I don't. Know. Well, that's for, that's for <laughs> the next episode. Um. Yeah. So, Dreyer is a an interesting character um and he really he really is a character yeah he is and like again like whether or not it's describing a serial killer or something else it's very clear that this man was pretty nuts yeah like i understand that that's a thing with directors i mean whenever you watch like you know documentaries and stuff about the best directors it's always stuff like this like Oh yeah, and he made us all eat like uh, made us all eat sausage at two o'clock in the morning so we could get prepped for our, like you know what I mean it's stuff like that. But <laughs> yeah, we he uh... made me skinny dip in a pool full of Jello. Right? This dumb stuff that like you're like, why did he do that? <laughs> but it really helped well, me prepare it's... for my role. 
Yeah, I I just love that every every uh, everything that happens is always. But it really it really helped. It was it's yeah. It's so always yeah, but to, that really helped me. Yeah, I assume Even. that the people who it didn't. I assume that's why we don't get interviews with the old lady from uh, from uh, Day of Wrath. Is it like well, one this was made in 1995. She's I know, long I know, dead, I know, but. but. Whether or not she died during production remains. But no, but even if she didn't, she probably like she probably. I bet you you would be hard pressed to convince well, her never, to say anything nice about him. She spent the rest of her life in the in the Joan of Arc clinic. Right. Well, um, see, that's the thing, right? Like, it's kind of interesting because he told one of those actresses, "Like, I'm going to make you a star," basically, which also sounded a yeah. little bit okay. Um, was there a casting couch involved there? Um, after after inviting himself over, yeah, to I know it's real weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, he says that, but like, other than the lady who played Joan of Arc, I don't get mm-hmm. the impression he was a star maker. Yeah, well, he, he he did tell her that, you know, that's the one time we get that quote being used. Uh, right, I know, but that, that's, to... that's what I'm saying, is he told her, I'm going to make you a star. <laughs> yeah. But that's the other thing, though, is like... What he does, the actors, yeah, he seems to make them very good actors for their scene, but I don't get the impression that he makes them into necessarily phenomenal actors. He just makes them do what yeah. he wants them to do, which is oftentimes talk in a really weird way. <laughs> which I'm glad at least, the, I guess it was the guy who played Johannes acknowledged it. Like, yeah, and we just started talking really slow and drawn out. Like, he likes. And it's like, that's not a good thing. Dude has only one rhythm in all the speaking in all of his movies. Everybody just talks like like they have some problem. Like like they're it's like like maybe they've been out in the cold and they're having trouble articulating their jaws and so they have to talk a lot slower and draw out the sounds. <laughs> I don't know. It's just I don't think that's true for everybody. And it's not, but it's Johannes, a lot. It happens a lot. Johannes, uh, Johannes's character. Well, no, no, Johannes is special. Exaggerates, but that. the other characters do do that to a certain extent. But Go the back other and watch are, those other movies, and you'll yeah. see people talking a little bit out of rhythm to the way like normal people talk. Well, I think that's also meant in like Gertrude that happens because everything's emotional. You know, they're all they're all thinking. Well, Gertrude at least is is thinking very carefully about what she's about to say uh, every time she says anything. That's true. Um, I'll give you that. Whereas, uh, like her husband Conning doesn't talk like that because he's he's being impulsive and, and right. I, and I guess I create. I think it's, with... I still think it's true to life the way these people talk. But I do recognize that you are you are right to say that that ha- happens quite a bit. It seems to be happen- I, It seems to happen more. Than it does in other films. That's all. Yeah. And I, whether that's his attempt to make realism, or maybe he punishes his actors if they don't uh, speak in really <laughs> weird ways. I don't know. Locks them in a mental clinic with a with a crazy dude, things like that. Um, no, I don't know. It's it's it was interesting, and I don't have any like. It's kind of a this this documentary to a certain extent was sort of a non-starter for me. Just because I walked away now knowing some things that I already suspected about Dreyer and don't feel and I gained a lot of knowledge about him, but like I felt kind of like reading a textbook on Dreyer. Full of quotes yeah. from Dreyer. Not even a textbook, a, an autobiography, basically. 
So it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, well, okay, like, um, okay, like, what was I supposed to take away from this? A weirdo made a lot of really great films that should be, you know, respected because they're great films, but, like, doesn't, knowing about him doesn't change that. Yeah. Oh, and also he was raised by horrible people in Sweden. It's a, it, that's like uh, that's like Dickensian. It is. It's, it's like it's just well. First they and told I me always... that I'm lucky to even get food. <laughs> yes, because they have no obligation to feed. And me. then they put me to work <laughs> when I was eight years old. Well, here's the thing, though. They do have an obligation to feed you. They fucking adopted yes. you. If they didn't yes. want to feed you. They shouldn't have adopted you. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's super Dickensian. It's like I'm surprised that like we didn't spend the first ten minutes of the film learning about all the weirdly named characters in his life. <laughs> yeah, my mother, uh, you know, whatever, Je- or, uh, Jolene Pennypager or something like that. Uh, Her maiden name was Super Stingy. I don't know. I'm well, te- I can't name the things only... to Kinsian because it's, it's kind of hard. Just insert ideas thing... as names. Yeah, the only thing that makes it non-Dickensian is the fact that his mother wasn't dead. Uh, wasn't his mother dead? She just. I thought well, I his thought mother she just died in childbirth, wasn't it? I might be getting I, I confused because I've also watched a lot of other TV recently, <laughs> and now I'm starting to like doubt whether or not that was in like a TV show I was Having, watching. That's what happened in Ordit. Yeah, uh, so I'm getting super confused right now. Okay, <laughs> I'm having a lot of trouble. That did happen in Ordet. And believe it may or may no, not no. have happened in another TV show I was watching, but I'm pretty sure that his mother died in childbirth. Whatever happened to his mother, she we never, never get mi- again, his father so is not well. even mentioned at all. Yeah, and then the adopted family is jerks. Yeah, it's just a bunch of what, what's the guy? Uh, yeah, it's just I we're not no more Dickens One references. Boy, boy for sale. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. I was like, I can't handle this right now. I can't. My brain is not. I'm, I'm very tired. I can't start thinking about Charles Dickens novels. It's going to hurt me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to get us yeah. onto a onto a Dickens musical. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is even worse. Like we could just talk about the the novels, but instead let's let's talk about the musicals based so on the far, novels. So far removed. So far removed. Uh, anyway, let's talk about uh, cartoons based on musical versions of we're novels. We're not talking about Oliver and Company. <laughs> I won't do it. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, uh, maybe maybe we could talk about the technical aspects of this film itself. Okay. The fact that it shot it's in 1995 on 35, 35 millimeter film uh, in in its own sort of realism style. Um, yeah, it's kind of where that was. He, what was his aim? Was his aim to recreate uh, Dreyer's sort of like an homage to Dreyer almost, in a documentary about Dreyer? I think I think so, but but I think filtered through uh, the sort of Dogma ninety five uh, Lars von Trier okay. homage to uh, okay homage okay to I Dreyer. follow you. So this is this is like eight steps removed here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed yeah. It, it yeah. I like the backdrop that they kept putting all the interviews in front of. Had a very like yes. bleak. Oh, and this is where that prostitute got murdered. <laughs> right, it's a wrong movie, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh 
boy. Actually, if it well, never mind. It would be that the prostitute I murdered, but you know, whatever. No, I don't. <laughs> it it has a lot of. Yeah, I don't. It it was. I don't know. Like I don't know. I don't know how we talk about the technical aspects of a documentary that is not a groundbreaking well, yeah. documentary. It is a. It is in the Criterion Collection because it is about the man that this section of the Criterion Collection is about. Well, I think it's not I in it because it is an hit. amazing film in and of itself. I don't think. I think we've already hit on most of it. I just wanted to. I didn't want to get through the whole thing without mentioning without mentioning that, the, the that terrifying. <laughs> you just. I mean, it was made in '95. We're in black and white, 35 millimeter film. That's true. Um, uh, in a. Uh, it was full screen, wasn't it? I believe, yeah. I believe, yeah. It was, yeah, was 4 by yeah. 3 I'm pretty sure. 4 by 3 Or, or so, if it um, wasn't, it was so upsetting that it felt like it. <laughs> it was just possible. It's happened before. It's been known to happen, to me at least. Yeah. But it, it had the same sort of dramatic lighting and, and close-up single-face framing uh, that uh, I think it was definitely shot in in homage to to Dreyer's style even yeah. even though it's a documentary so it's not re- it can't really be that much of a style and they don't there were a couple moments i noticed that that the uh, the camera was panning when it really didn't need to so, <laughs> so i guess i really i, guess I really wish too. they had shot the man had been bold enough to shoot the guy who played Johannes in the way that Johannes was always shot <laughs> Just do his interview like at a really a weird Dutch angle, like yeah, weird lighting, like super, like like even though it's natural lighting, really super highlighted lighting on him, and don't ever allow him to actually address the camera. Yes, even though it's a documentary. <laughs> Every time he looks at the camera, move the camera. Uh, it's just. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, we did get to learn about this man's life, yeah. but I don't. I, uh, I don't feel good about learning about his life. Really, I mean, I don't feel bad about it, but I don't. I don't kind of. Don't I'm gonna say, I hadn't noticed. Uh, I never put it together that uh, that the guy who played Johannes was the same guy who played Martin. Yeah, um, I know. It totally didn't click with me until in Day of Wrath. Yeah, I had never until he until talked about him both. And I was like, oh, and then he. And then he talked about being being in more than one film as he was talking about playing Martin. I thought, wait, who was he? Yeah, who yeah. Was he? <laughs> well, I, and I guess to that extent, like we find out that Dreyer's really good at. Well, it's also like what nine. It is. It years. is. But you know, so. we, I personally am not good at recognizing people based on their faces yeah. or any attributes about them. Yeah, but most people are, and I and I know that you are. Sometimes better than me, and you had no idea. I am better than you. That's true, but no, I hadn't. I hadn't noticed. Uh, you know, it, it also doesn't help that he's clean shaven, in, right? And twelve years younger. So. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, and not talking, talking like he spent too much time with a crazy person, which is, you know, what happened. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically, getting trapped in cars and rooms with crazy people. <laughs> yes. Whether that person be Dryer or another crazy person. <laughs> or an actual person. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, it, um, like, it's unfortunate that, like, we don't... 
I kind of... I, I like it. I just... I love that conversation at 3 a.m., though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you, you were don't asleep? You don't have it at yes, hand? I was... I was asleep. Oh, you don't have the script right beside you? Yes. And, you know, obviously, he's he's recounting that. Right, right. To show yeah, that, sure that Dreyer's a little weird. Yeah, and I'm uh, sure, it, like I'm you, sure it's like you said, he's trying, to a certain extent. He's trying to politely suggest that Dreyer is crazy without Well, actually. and he's, he's kind of the only one. Despite yeah. the fact that in other, the other people's interviews, not while not trying to politely imply that he is crazy... Definitely let us know that he was crazy. Yeah. Like, what was the one... I forget one of the actresses. She had an anecdote that was just like... He did what now? Like... Oh, crap. I forget now. I'm not going to be able to remember. But, you know, it's... Oh, and then I like that... Okay, totally totally tangential. I like how the lady who was the daughter of the lady who played Joan of Arc yeah. was interviewed. Which is like, this seems a few too many steps removed from the from the source here, okay? Well... Because, like, the only thing that she... If you watched... Did you watch the other the other interview? I did not have an, an opportunity to watch the other ones that were included. Okay, on the on the DVD there were more and there are more interviews uh, with with some other people uh, with uh, but they were all all of the cut interviews were information that was presented either in narration or through quotes from Dreyer. Right. Okay. So it, it was more. It was. It would have been redundant, which is why it was there. So I think Falconetti. Uh, Helena, Helena was her name, I believe. Um, but she, uh, I think the thing, the interview was more, they used a lot more of the, their time with her than what ended up on screen with her. Um, because a lot of what she said, especially about the death of, of her mother uh, and the losing all her money. In, that was uh, weird. I'm not sure why that was in there. Yeah. Are we trying I mean, to imply that Dreyer drove her insane? Um, <laughs> I think, you know, through other things we learn, uh, it's also made clear that, that she actively chose to never pursue film again. Um, and it's suggested because she thought she had already you know, done the best she could in doing that. Right, but we um, don't know how true or accurate that... Re- I, that seems a yeah. little bit like... Meh. But she loses enough money to declare bankruptcy in France and then goes to but, Brazil yeah. and loses the rest of her money in one night of gambling. Yeah, a wild uh, night of And then drown... Yeah. The, I forget what happened after that. Nobody Something knows. Happened. Nobody knows. That's one of the things that's happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, she, nobody she got I into love, mysticism. I love... And then Buddhism. Any and then died mysteriously. Time that... They know somebody is dead. Like, I don't love it. I don't like that people have died. But if, I find it interesting anytime in a documentary or something. Like, they know when a person died. They know that a person died oftentimes. But they don't know how or why. Although well, I do like the, I like the, the statement, we don't know why they died. Well, I'm going to clue you in. Their brain <laughs> and their heart stopped working. <laughs> well, that's true. But uh, but during the uh, during the cut stuff with, with Falcon and his daughter... Uh, we also learned that Dreyer attended her funeral. So see that would have been really good. Body. That should have um, been in the documentary. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that would have yeah. made him slightly more human. Yes, unless he did something um, really batshit and say at the funeral. <laughs> it's it's actually interesting because um, they didn't talk at the funeral. Falconetti says that she returned 
to her home, and Dreyer was there, just this short, pudgy old At man. Her home? Wow, like, so he has a habit of, like, of inviting himself <laughs> to people's houses. Yes. Okay, good to know. That, that's like, an isolated incident. I think she describes him as just looking like an uncle. You know, yeah, just, well, like everybody else guy. described him as looking like a clerk. So, <laughs> yeah, basically the same thing. Yeah, maybe that's what she used to. Maybe it was. Maybe it was clerk, and maybe that got pulled up into that. But yeah, it was just. Yeah, I don't. It's but yeah, that's a humanizing moment for Dreyer that probably should have been in there. <laughs> but instead, they just talk about this woman's weird yeah. death. Like, but you know, I don't know. It's just it's it kind of. Anytime somebody has a, an essentially an Ambrose Bierce death, like oh, and then they then he <laughs> then went to Mexico, was never heard from again. <laughs> again, like we don't know uh, if or when he died. He could be two hundred and fifty years old for all we know. <laughs> Ambrose Bierce is probably still alive. He's just waiting for the Devil's Dictionary too. He's gonna put it out. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, but yeah, no, so let's not talk about Ambrose Bierce, okay? All right, fine. But it's still my goal is my way to die, by the way. Not <laughs> necessarily disappear. Mexico, but disappear somewhere and then have no one ever know what happened to me. I feel like your uh, your wife and, and child well, may take issue I with that. Well, I kind of fucked up my plan. That was my plan before <laughs> I, I got married. So now I have to okay. come up with a way in which I can secure both. It's going to require some finagling, to say the least. All right. Well, good luck. Godspeed. Uh, I'll be sure not to investigate at all. So yeah, that well, see, that's, I think part of what's going to have to go into it is I'm going to have to force the people who, my loved ones, to not investigate my death. <laughs> just just insist that no one knows how you died. <laughs> yeah, like, like, in uh, my bed, Dad, from, like, a heart no, but attack. That's something that, we but don't that's know something what happened. kind of gets touched on in the film here, because uh, they say... Uh, that no one knows how she died, but then they act like it's mysterious, and those aren't those are not coupled things. They don't have to be together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No one it's can like, know how she died, and it could have been like, a disease. Yeah, you know? like, uh, and she died of an ailment of which we are not certain because the Brazilian uh, coroners at that time were not very good. Yeah, or something like that. Like, oh, or she was too poor for yeah. They they for chose not to, to bother perform me. an autopsy, so it's a bit of a mystery yeah. how she died. Yeah, exactly. But we presented as as this, this you know. Yeah, I even I feel like I'm not this sure that this is the case, but I feel thing. like the music even gets a little ooh. <laughs> At least that's the way it read in my mind. Is like suddenly like there's <laughs> the chords got a little bit minory for a second. Yeah. <laughs> well, there actually uh, another drier touch in the production of this film. There wasn't a lot of background music, so I think you might have just been hearing. It's, that it's totally possible. <laughs> Um, but yeah alright uh, <laughs> man we're really you know I will say that uh, I'm glad that we watched this documentary after we watched uh, the rest too. of his work I do want to go back and watch Vampire at least because um, that looked what we saw of that film looked fascinating which one? Um, Vampire yeah uh, the, I'm a bit he made that out I'm not sure yeah, I can he made handle that. that one. When that one comes up on Criterion, you may be doing that one with somebody else. I do not <laughs> handle scary movies well. And to me, I think Dreyer honestly missed his calling in not making super creepy shit. From from what we saw of Vampire just in that, yeah. I was <laughs> for real kind of freaked out. I was like sitting there like, okay, yeah. maybe I need to like skip ahead or something. This is getting a bit too much for me. 
Yeah. And I don't know how much of it was the documentary guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's the issue, is I don't know how much yeah. he added. I feel like that music was probably not Dreyer's music. Uh, well, I believe it was a silent film, so there's right. so, probably music ah, involved. son of a bitch. I always have to hit the mute button. I'll be fine then. Because it was the music that was <laughs> doing it go. to me. Yeah. Like, a, a creepy yeah. hallway's a creepy hallway, whatever. But as soon as you add creepy hallway plus terrifying music, uh, I'm out. Oh, and then, like, that whole dryer the... quote about, like, if you if there was a dead body in the room and I told you about it, it would change the whole context <laughs> of the room. I'm like, yeah, you're fucking right, it would. You're right. You're not wrong. <laughs> Are you trying to tell me there is a dead body in the next room? Dryer, did you kill somebody? Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, that's uh, what put me have, on that serial uh, killer path, by the way, mentally, was after that, that that particular statement. I was like, hmm, that sounds like a serial killer statement. You have about three years to uh, to build yourself up to a point where you no, can No, that's that. not going to happen. You're watching it with Steven or somebody else. <laughs> All right. Not All even right. fucking joking, man. <laughs> I am a grown ass okay. man who can get who, who gets freaked out at the slightest thing. I, there are certain episodes of Doctor Who that don't let me sleep, okay? Any Angel episode, I'm out. If I don't watch it in the middle of the day, if I know an Angel episode's coming, I have to time my life to make sure I'm watching it at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then I watch a bunch of other shit so I forget about it by the time I go to bed. This is how I, I plan my life this way, Adam. All right, all right. So I guess I could, I could try to watch Vampire in the middle of the day, on like a Saturday, and then make sure I just watch like five episodes of some really <laughs> stupid shit. Like nothing but like st- something st- dumb stuff. Yeah. You know, Iron Chef Japan or Iron Chef America is now on Netflix. I'll watch like five episodes of that and I'll be fine. There you go. There you go. Uh, well, I think it's about time we draw this one to a close. Yeah, I think so. Uh, My Media uh, documentary on Carl Theodore Dreyer. Uh, a lot of inf- interesting information, very densely uh, presented. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's uh, a textbook. But uh, Torben Scott Jensen, uh, who's, I'm, you know what, I'm only uncertain about his middle name, <laughs> but but it's always listed. When I, so, uh, yeah, check it out. Next week, uh, we'll be talking about La Trau, The Hole, uh, 1960 film by Jacques Becker uh, from France. Uh, so we'll see you next time. Thanks yep. for listening. Bye.
been listening to Lost in Criterion, a production of WithTwoBrains.com, hosted by Pat Dorgan and The Adam Glass, who also edits it down. Jonathan Hape did the music. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com. Look for us on iTunes. Or reach out to us at facebook.com slash lostincriterion or lostincriterion at gmail.com.